everyone, and welcome to the View from the Mount podcast. Today we are on episode number seven. And just a reminder, if you would, click like or subscribe in whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, we really appreciate your listening and your joining and getting the updates on that. Uh, we're glad to have you with us this week. I'm Jason, as always, joined uh, by Matthew. And we're excited this week. We're kind of going to have a, a little bit different flair to the discussion. We are going to talk, I don't know exactly what we'd call it, Matt, maybe uh, the occult, darkness, uh, some of those things that might run as we run up towards Halloween time. Yeah, some, some of the supernatural things that people get focused on or involved in and kind of how much we as Christians ought to be leery of that sort of thing. A lot of disagreement about what's okay and what isn't. And, you know, some people think, well, those folks are being sticks in the mud and, right. you know, they might think the other folks are being foolish for being involved in things. And so we just kind of want to talk about how much danger is there in some of this stuff and uh, how should Christians sort of respond to those things or distance themselves from them and and this is one of those things where Jason and I, we agree largely on the overall uh, issues, I think, but we might draw some lines in different places about what we think is problematic and, and what we think probably is more harmless. Um, so we'll explore a little bit of that. Yeah, I think this is a good discussion. It's actually, as we kind of sat down to look at some of this, it's not a discussion you hear a lot of. No. I mean, we see we see a lot of it around Halloween time on Facebook. There's generally some folks brawling on there. Christians, most notably, I see arguing over whether Halloween is okay or not. And we will we're, talk about that. We are going to. We're going to get into that later, so I don't want to break into it too much right now. But that's about the only time of year I really hear folks talking about this stuff. And, and, and it's odd because it, in our society, it's prevalent. There's nothing new under the sun. So these ideas of the occult practices have always been around. Yeah. And one thing that we find is that the Bible warns about the danger of witchcraft yeah. and warns about the danger of whether we're talking, and the list goes on, literally hundreds of scriptures that might address some of these things from incredibly overt to a little bit less, whether it's astrology or psychics or seances or making of potions mm -hmm. or drug use and some of these other things that the scriptures speak very plainly about. Yeah, I think it has been more and more kind of in the public consciousness, maybe. I can remember... Uh, even just being a teenager and, and some of these shows started coming up, you know, more and more often, like Charmed or Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That was or your the, favorite the one, Ghost huh? Whisperer. Um, which one? Buffy? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't my favorite one. Oh, okay. um, but you've got all these these shows and, and books and, and different things that are focused on sort of this supernatural stuff. Right. Um, and that hasn't changed now. Actually, there's more and more. It seems like some of them are leaning harder toward what I would consider to be like a portrayal of real life witchcraft and, right. and occult stuff. And, it's not some cute version of it. And this is one of the things, as we progress to the conversation today, one of the difficulties we had is we realized that this is encompassing a lot of things. You know, that we're not going to say everything that we'll talk about is witchcraft or the occult or darkness, but there are a lot of things that are cousins, yeah. you know, that are, are in the ballpark that or at least merit mentioning or talking about or asking where we might draw a line. But the Bible does speak about some of this. Mm -hmm. And and we want to separate pretty hard here between what becomes a matter of our conscience and conviction and what the Bible speaks about very plainly. Yeah, I think a lot of the issue is that our modern sensibilities have told us that, you know, witchcraft and, and some of these occult things are just make-believe. You know, maybe there were people who once believed in them, just like they believed the trees they were worshiping. Shipping, you know, were, were 
helping them out in some way, but that there's no real danger in it. And I think the Bible tells us otherwise. I think there's a real power to be found in this stuff. It's not a good thing. Well, we um, don't have the, we don't there. have like this fear of that. Like, like might've, I mean, you look back like what the 1600 and you sure. hear the Salem witch trials yeah. and they, like, we don't have that fear. I'm not advocating that yeah, we no. tie people to a stake that are assumed to witchcraft, but but we just don't have this assumption of that, largely because we don't believe it's true. So there's this double thing that's going on is we live in a world that's seemingly less spiritual, but more interested in the spiritual. Mm-hmm. And then we have this world that's very skeptical of these spiritual things. Yeah, and it leads to some of these weird, ironic crossovers where people don't believe in the supernatural as much, but then you've got so many people gravitating towards sort of this new age spiritualism. Uh, where they're they're playing around with crystals and auras and and these things that and, and the fascination back, with Eastern religion. That's right. it. And if you go back far enough, that that stuff all has its roots in pagan, you know, occult, demon worship type stuff. Right. And so even as they they feel like they're mentally distancing themselves from biblical spiritual outlook, they're actually diving into things that have have its roots in things that are very old and Absolutely. have some power in them. Uh, so the two prongs to this, Matt. One is the Bible warns about it, whether it is like in Deuteronomy chapter 29, mm-hmm. uh, the secret things belong to the Lord, but yeah. that's what's revealed belongs to us. And so much of witchcraft, the the basis of this that we're talking about to define our terms is the, the desire to gain or to get information, uh, to get knowledge that might be otherwise unknown. Yeah, and I think there's there's power in that, being able to see beyond the limits of what God wanted us to see and, and manipulate things that we shouldn't have access to. And if you look at some of these old writers who were sort of associated with occult stuff, um, H.P. Lovecraft and Aleister Crowley and all these right. guys, a lot of their stuff hinted at that, like this hidden, they would tantalize with hidden knowledge that was just beyond right. what we could grasp. And even glimpsing it, you know, would threaten your sanity. And, and, and oddly, the, the New Testament dealt with a group of, of people called the Gnostics. Mm-hmm. who their goal and their idea was to gain the secret knowledge, like the book of Colossians, 1 John. They deal with these Gnostic yeah. uh, heresies that wanted to get secret knowledge, knowledge that was above and beyond what God reveals. So that makes clear that there is information, yeah. real information, that may or may not be true, that is out there in the spiritual realm, but God warns us about seeking it. Yeah, and there, and there, I think there's some different ways we can look around real real clearly and see people going after that kind of knowledge. Uh, they'll look at natural phenomena, like you got astrology, where they're trying to read, read meaning in the stars and things like that. Or they're reaching out to something supernatural, whether it would be, mm-hmm. you know, a witchcraft thing where you're reaching out to something demonic or just a Ouija board or a seance where they're trying to speak with the dead or or the Zodiac and horoscopes. Mm -hmm. So I I think that there's some, some different ways and and people might not link those things together in their Mm -hmm. mind. They might not look at tarot cards and a seance and and outright witchcraft and a psychic network. Right. And I think there's, don't, don't get us wrong. I'm not saying that every psychic hotline out there is full of occult mystics. I think that there's plenty of shysters out there. I think there's folks that are just playing at this stuff. I'm sure most horoscopes were written by, some hobbyist at the newspaper who just likes that stuff but it's all got its roots in something real what what danger do you think there is in ignoring the reality of that 
uh, of any type of spiritual power behind that. Like, I, I think that might be a tendency just to like even hear what we're talking about and say, ah, that's over the top because we can't see the spiritual realm. Right. And and there might be this hesitancy to look at psychics, you know, and think, man, they're they're just fake. They're just some type of shyster, like you said, and and that might be true, or horoscopes, or, or or whatever else, and just brush that off as fake. But we have to at least acknowledge that some of that may come from a real power. Yeah, it, it very well might. And, and there's another danger in that as well, and that's that people become dependent on that. It becomes an idol. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if, if the information that you're getting is totally made up by just some some con artist. Right. So, so you get some self-fulfilled prophecy yeah. or something. If you won't leave the house until you speak to your psychic, that's a problem, especially as a Christian. We're, we're to trust the Lord in right. those things. Now, I can that. see the appeal of, you know, someone say, I got this secret knowledge about your future. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in your palm. Let me read the lines on your palm. And, and you feel like you might get some information that uh, you can't find anywhere else i can see the appeal to that yeah nevertheless the scriptures warn about that one of the fascinations that i've seen is the idea of communicating with the spiritual realm whether that is dead ancestors you know like what the bible talks about like necromancy uh, and things like that i i can see i see an increase in this mm-hmm. uh that's not new. I think if I remember right, like looking back in history, there are presidents that have had these seances in the White House, sure. uh, Mary Todd Lincoln. And mm-hmm. I think Nancy Reagan, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was tied into doing some of these things. This fascination with uh, getting information from yeah. dead ancestors. And we're, we're assuming that if you're listening to this, that you're a Bible believing person and that you're right. concerned about, you know, the church's position on some of this. And so as a Bible believing person, we can't dismiss psychics and seances as as nonsense because the bible warns against consorting with mediums and people who speak with the right. dead and so that's obviously something that's possible to do and, and that might be the the greatest danger is just being like that's not real yeah that's at, at least we're, like you said we're talking about from a biblical position the bible affirms that that's a real there a real power behind right. that and i think what you asked a minute ago about what's the problem with ignoring that danger is that it, it puts you at risk you know if you don't if you don't acknowledge the danger in a loaded gun and you're willing to just go around and pick up every gun you see and play with right. it. You know, the first 10 you pick up might not be loaded, but eventually you're going to get a loaded one and, and it's going to cause you a problem yeah, more, more likely than not. And so I think just being willing to, to play around with some of this stuff is a problem. And I think, you know, if you look back in the Bible before Christ's death, you know, you had him casting demons out. It seemed like left, right, and center. It seemed like everywhere he went, there were demons taking hold of people, obviously with impunity, I guess. We don't see that now. And right. I think people look at that and they think, well, that means those accounts were exaggerated. You know, Jesus was healing an epileptic or, or whatever the case. I, I think what Christ did on the cross disarmed those powers to an extent that they can't just take you without your consent. And I might be wrong about that. Um, yeah, at the, at the very least, I would I would think that whatever like type of demonic possession uh, is more subtle. And I certainly believe there there exists what we might call demonic oppression. Mm-hmm where there's demonic influence in the world today. And those powers should not be ignored or, you know, we should not be ignorant. The Bible says the devil schemes. And it, the, there's a great danger in just brushing that off as sure. nothing. Because because whether or not they can come at you, you know, unprovoked with impunity, I think if you invite them in, you're causing yourself a world of trouble. And, and we don't want to open those doors in ourselves. So one of the things that we might see now that Christians might be tempted to 
go into that's clearly wrong. We're going to talk in a little bit about some of the yeah. gray areas, the matters of conscience that you and I even have little different lines on. But we're talking about things that the Bible would warn about very clearly. Sure. Uh, have you have you seen this among Christians that uh, some fascination interest with some things that they should run from? Absolutely. Not so much with things like Ouija boards and tarot cards so much. You don't hear about that in, in the church all the time. That's one of those things that kids tend to play around with. I did as a kid. Nothing really happened. I wasn't in the church at the time. I think some of the more subtle stuff is what people go after, the horoscopes. They might play around with like a psychic hotline or something like that. Um, you've got people that are super fascinated with this whole ghost hunting thing. And I, I've known people in the church who, you know, they've got themselves like an EMF reader and they're going to go out to the cemetery and see if they can find a ghost and they don't see a problem with that or they watch the shows on television about that right and they're so focused on on these supernatural things and i think that's probably something that we ought to steer clear from i think there's danger in that (laughs) absolutely um, I've seen enough of these ghost hunting shows even to know that some of what they're doing is problematic. If, you know, what they're communicating with is a spirit of a dead person or some demonic presence or whatever, like they're putting themselves in danger that they shouldn't right. be putting themselves in. And, and so that's part of the basis for this is that this is real. Um, At and least some of it. Yeah, there's real. There's reality. There's the potential Correct. reality. And if there's the potential reality, then that means it's potentially dangerous. Yeah, I would say so. And so... We definitely, as Christians, kind of want to set some boundaries there on what we will and won't participate in for our own safety and also just in terms of what are we putting out there to the world and that church should stand apart from certain things. Absolutely. Now, if, if we shift just a little bit, and, and this is kind of one of the things as it we get to the season that is related, and it's what level of participation should we have with Halloween? Now, let me give my disclaimer. I've known good Christian people that have a different conscience about what level of participation they have with Halloween than I do. This is a matter of conscience. It's a matter of conviction. But I, I do think, it, it, at least in in this conversation, it's worth talking about how does Halloween fit in as a holiday, as something we observe and practice with this? Well, I mean, obviously, we know where it came from. It was, you know, one of these witches' high holidays, um, All Hallows' Eve or whatever. And the whole celebration was was on this idea that the dead could come back to the world of the living for a night. The whole thing about trick-or-treating, you know, they would, they would set out offerings for these spirits that were supposedly wandering around to try to appease them. And so when you go out trick-or-treating, you're sort of taking that role of these, like, wandering spirits. Or if people would go out that night, they'd wear a mask so that the spirits wouldn't bother them. You know, they'd think that you were right. one of them or whatever. And so the whole thing has its roots, obviously, in witchcraft. And now it has become this sort of commercialized thing where kids dress up in cute costumes and they go out and collect candy around the neighborhood. You know, people hang up bats and spiders around the house and have Halloween parties. And, and so there's this big dispute about should it matter to us that this is at its heart a pagan death-centered holiday or is this something that we can participate in the harmless aspects of that and it's not a problem? Right. And and we would at least have to acknowledge that there are other holidays that have pagan undertones. Mm-hmm. Christmas does. Easter does. Now, so at what level does our intent come into play? Because certainly I'm not being a Satan worshiper. If you know, dress up in a costume and go around, besides the fact that I'm a grown man, I probably, right. you know, but I'm not invoking Satan into my heart. I'm not, 99% of people that have any Halloween affiliation in America have no idea the spiritual origins of it. So to be clear, my position has been pretty clear from, uh, in my life, I do not participate 
in Halloween. Our family has uh, made the decision. Our kids don't trick or treat. We don't celebrate. We don't go to a Halloween party or anything like that. Yeah. I know people that do. Yeah. And, and we always did participate in that. And, you know, we were in the church, you know, after a certain point, we were in the church and still that never bothered uh, my conscience, at least not early on. I mean, we would deck the house out and all the Halloween stuff. We'd go to haunted houses every year and, and, and do that kind of stuff. Take the kids trick or treating. I might be selective about the costumes they were allowed to wear. You know, they weren't going to dress up as the devil or a witch or anything scanty, which seems to be every women's Halloween costume designed anymore. So we we had some like a sort of guidelines for, well, we'll participate, but only this much. Now, those have moved. Tina decorates the house now just in fall stuff. There's no, mm-hmm. you know, zombies and skeletons and, and bloody knives laying around and all this other stuff. I still will go to a Halloween party if it's a friend who I know there's not going to be drinking and things like that. And we'll go hang out, have candy, let the kids go trick-or-treating, whatever we're going to do that way. And so I guess the question is, is that wrong to participate to that extent or isn't it? Well, first, we, we are saying that people are at different points on this. Sure. And I respect that. It's a matter of conscience. Mm -hmm. I think there's some things that are clear. One is that we should not have this overwhelming fascination with death. Mm -hmm. The Bible teaches us that death is not our friend. Death is our enemy. And in Halloween, like if we define Halloween with uh, some words, it would be death and darkness. I don't think people would disagree. That's how Halloween, death and darkness are Halloween. We are just the opposite as believers. We are light and life. And, and that's one reason why I found it troubling was just this polar opposite intent, death and darkness versus light and life. Yeah. And I, I could definitely see that, that tension there. And but, that that, but that's not what weighed on you in any, that as, as much as some of the other thoughts about it, the connections. Well, I mean, there's definitely this overwhelming focus on supernatural stuff. We started to pull away from that aspect of it. And I've gone, I've gone round in my head so many times because it seems like if I apply a certain logic to, okay, I need to get rid of Halloween in my life because it does this and this and this. Well, now there's other things in my life that you could say the same thing about, you know, that that certain things I watch might glorify death because there's tons of killing in it or whatever. So... Right. I have a hard time isolating Halloween from other things because the reasons that we have to to shun it also applies so you, to other things. So you don't disagree so... with the principle. I what you're having a hard time with is the rationale of consistently applying those same principles to things not Halloween. Yeah, and also how much do the origins of a thing dictate I, our response to it once it morphs into maybe something else? And definitely, I, I, I'm not naive. I understand that those overtones of it being a mm-hmm. witch's thing is it's still there. You still got people dressing as witches. Yeah. you know they play horror movies the entire month of October. Yeah, I, I don't think like that's on. Like, I it. don't think that's on the table for Christians. Listen, we can disagree about the level of our participation in Halloween, but if you are dressing up as a devil, as a witch, some yeah. of those other things, I think that's. Walking the line at the Obviously. very at the very least, and and I would apply that same reasoning to you know a tattoo. I don't have a problem having a tattoo. I've got several. I wouldn't go out and get the devil tattooed on right. Me, so you know? so we even in our celebration of something that we might say is harmless fun, we do want to be careful. I, I'd add to that. I don't celebrate Halloween because I'm a Christian. I want to. I don't celebrate Ramadan because I'm not a Muslim. It's not a Christian holiday. It's a very plainly claimed, uh, at least in any spiritual realm, by either Satan, uh, Satan Satanist, or those that are involved in the occult uh, as their holiday. Mm-hmm. And so. 
I don't celebrate other religious holidays because that's not what the what religion I am. I guess my answer to that would be how many people who are participating in trick-or-treating and a Halloween party are celebrating Halloween in the way that Halloween was meant to be celebrated. So Very, very few are. Same token, Valentine's Day is not a Christian holiday. St. Valentine's Day is is something else. And when we observe Valentine's Day, which I try to avoid because I think it's stupid, but when we observe that, we're not celebrating Valentine's Day. We're observing the American Valentine's Day tradition. Yeah, I, I, I would argue Andy. that there's not the undertones with something like right. that, nor is there the hoopla uh, I, with it. I gotcha. Uh, well, I just, I'm just saying that when you go trick-or-treating, you are not celebrating All Hallows' Eve. You're observing no. this American nope. cultural Virtually nobody. Tradition. Virtually nobody is. But I mean, does that mean that I can I could celebrate Ramadan in some way as long as I'm not intentionally uh, worshiping Allah? I mean, does that mean I could just observe the fast because I want to connect in that way? I don't know. I, d- I don't know where we would draw a line on that. You, you, see, what I'm, you see what I'm I saying? I totally see what you're saying. It, it, I do. And, and so I, I think it's okay just to say, you know, there are some things, and this is true for all of us. There are some things that we choose to distance ourselves from. But to be fair, there is no like cultural adoption of Ramadan in that way. There's no equivalent that we can compare. It's strictly a religious thing. And so to celebrate it in some way would be a celebrating a strictly religious thing. There's no cultural thing from Ramadan. That's a non-Christian. That, Correct. That would be a non-Christian. We, we do have the but Christian that, comparison know, with Christmas, uh, which had a pagan undertone as adopted a Christian sure. uh, I mean, we've overtone. Christmas trees and wreaths and all these things that were a part of this pagan solstice festival. And, and, and neither of us have a problem with that. Correct. In our mind. And so now I guess the difference there is Christmas is meant as a Christian holiday and it sort of adopted some pagan things along with it, whereas Halloween is a pagan holiday. And it's at the very least neutral. At the very least. And it, I get it. It can go bad quick. You know, you got people. I saw a kid like ironically dressed up as Jesus because he thought it was funny the one year. Yeah. I didn't appreciate that. Or having a kid dressed up as a serial killer or what. I mean, like, you, I think you have to watch the content of it. And I get it. Maybe it's safer just to avoid the whole mess. Yeah, I, I understand people who take that stance. I get tired of arguing about it. Like sure. it bugs me that Christians act ugly every year about this on Facebook, arguing with each other. Like the church shouldn't be airing its dirty laundry in front of the whole world like right. that, where we're squabbling over something. And, and the other some thing of the squabbling, is, some of the squabbling is because we're. Tr- because some some of us, not everybody, some people just like to argue. Some but sometimes do. we're just trying to come to a better position. Yeah, but name one other time of year or one other semi-theological issue that you see Christians arguing about this well, passionately. Santa Claus. Any other Santa time. Claus. Yeah, that's probably the only other one. Right. Uh, you know, and, and, and... Like, don't we have bigger fish to fry absolute, in the church? I absolutely like, agree. I, you know, I, I think as we acknowledge we don't have it all figured out and we're trying to grow and learn and take the best approaches to these things, we are going to have these internal tensions. All, all I would encourage, is anybody listening, is you don't have to agree with me, but at least feel a tension that forces you to think on, you know, besides just like, this is my position, I'm going to justify it. And I think just like any situation, if you're not aware of the inherent dangers, you're more likely to get yourself into trouble. And so if you wade into Halloween thinking there's nothing whatsoever that could possibly go wrong or go too far, that's foolish as a Christian. You right. have to you have to be aware of these occult influences in the world, that there's some real power behind witchcraft and some of these other things. 
And that Halloween at its roots is based on that. Right. So if you are going to participate, it has got to be through the lens of, I need to be careful where I take this because it could be bad. Yeah. And, and I'd love to invite people to have a conversation about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to engage that. I'm a little reluctant to say that because I'm guessing that once you come to a position, people automatically get mad that you have a different position. I'm not casting a judgment because someone's got a different conclusion. Yeah. And I, I enjoy being able to talk to somebody who thinks differently than I do. And we need to get back to that in the church and in the world where we can talk about this. And we're not exactly on the same page and we're still friends afterwards. Right. Because this doesn't have any personal bearing on, I'm not suggesting that someone who is more into Halloween than I am is a worse Christian than me at all. And we agree, you know, to be clear on where Matt and I, we we absolutely 100% agree on the principles. Yeah. We agree about that we should be about light and life. We believe, we agree that death is our enemy. We we have some level of disagreement, really isn't that much on on how practically that's applied to specific thing. You know, so we can't disagree about light and life. We can't disagree about death being our enemy. We can't. Yeah. Uh, we can disagree about how that looks in my daily practice and my choices. For sure. And and I think on the opposite side, you know, if you're somebody who is a Christian and you have chosen not to participate in any way, shape or form, Halloween is not for you. You're going to stand separately from that. If that's your moral conviction, that's fine. I think you should have moral convictions. I think we should take a stand and believe in something and we should be willing to give things up for our faith. Check your motivations when you're having these conversations, because if, if the reason that you're not participating is so that you can sort of stand back and say, well, look at how holy I am because I don't participate in that. Not only is that the wrong attitude and that puts you on on dangerous ground, but you're just going to provoke people. It's not productive. No. Um, I think that's why there's such an argument because- Would that make us more sanctified? No. I'm not saying you're saying that. When when I think about my position, this is a personal decision, a family decision Mm -hmm. that I've tried to make based on what my conviction, what my conscience is. Mm I don't preach that. You've never heard me preach a sermon about uh, what I believe about Halloween. I've never even taught a lesson on it. I would talk about it and engage people on it. I would give and share some of my reasonings on it. But I don't think someone loves the Lord less than I do because we've come to a different conclusion. I'm not doing this to gain merit or holiness because I've abstained from it. Now, obviously, there, there are lines that we have to observe as Christians participate or not. You know, if someone, if someone posts a picture on, on Facebook and, you know, one of them's dressed in dental floss and a cat mask and the other one's dressed up as Satan, probably should talk to them about how that's not Christianly behavior. How would one wear dental floss? I don't know. Let's, uh, let's move on from there, Matt. Uh, And so it is, it's interesting. You kind of hit on this. It's hard for people to have these discussions nowadays, uh, you know, and People get defensive. And I guess one of my concerns anytime we have any of these matters of opinion or conscience is that on the other side of it, people are going to have their conviction and not be willing to explore the possibility there might be a better position. Yeah. And I think I think what you said earlier about some people just like to argue, I think there are a class of people on both sides of this issue who every year head into this season with this chip on their shoulder. Right. Like the one side's just waiting to be challenged because they're celebrating Halloween and the other ones are just waiting for a Christian right. to post a Halloween thing so they can jump all over them. And and then everybody else just sort of gets dragged into it. Yeah, be fully convinced in your conviction. Be consistent in it and live it. Yeah. You know, if you have a conviction that you shouldn't participate in Halloween, then 
don't do it. Yeah. You know, it's there, there's no problem with not doing it. And uh, and so that's just what, what our families decided. Uh, you know, we we don't involve ourselves in any of that. We do other things and we have convictions that are different than others on other things. And that's I think that's totally fine and appropriate. We each have to make those sorts of decisions. And this is one of those things where, you know, when there's not a, a direct scriptural command, we have got to be gracious with each other. Right. It's okay if you don't celebrate and it's okay if I want to take my kids trick-or-treating and that doesn't convict my conscience. But I, you know, if if I really do feel comfortable in that, I'm not going to be threatened by your non-participation. Right. If, if you feel convicted because someone else doesn't participate and that upsets you, that's an indication that maybe this is bothering your conscience. And, yeah. and at the very least, you don't want to violate your own conscience right. and, on this. And, and allow your conscience to be convicted. Yeah. You know, you're allowed to change your position. Mm-hmm. One way or the other, you're you're allowed to either, you know, man, your conscience doesn't bother you anymore, then that's fine if that changes. But if your conscience does bother you, then, you know, I, I think there's a different obligation to yeah. follow that. And more and more, as I, as I get deeper into my faith, I don't want to just do what I want to do. I want to be right according right. to the Bible and according to Christ. And so I do think about this issue and I do read things about this and I and I turn it over in my head every single year. And when my conscience convicts me over a part of it, right. I, I try to make the appropriate adjustment. And I have drifted in, in where I where I stand on this. I am less involved than I ever was when I was younger, but I'm not to a point where I feel like it's it's sinful to, to go to a friend's house when they're having a Halloween party and let the kids go get some candy or whatever. I'm not there. If I get there, I'll stop. But but we have to we have to show each other some grace in this and, and, and not, I agree. not bash each other to pieces, especially on social media in front yeah. of the whole world. This isn't one of those clear black and whites like we mentioned earlier. This is just a, a, a choice that we make trying to live out those clear black and whites Mm. and kind of the next phase of of this whole conversation is the backstory of this is matt and i sat and kind of talked a little bit we don't ever script these out we kind of come up with an idea of what we're going to talk about and some uh parameters and we kind of started the the discussion today talking about it and realized that this is a rabbit hole that we could go down that has a a wide range of applications and we we realized so maybe off (laughs) off the bat that some, most of these, all of these become matters of your conscience and your conviction, but there are other things that we might say are loosely connected uh, with how we're trying to live out and apply our desire to stay away from the fruitless deeds of darkness and how we apply that to today and started thinking about television and movies and books mm-hmm. and music. And, and the first thing is this, witchcraft, magic, and all those things is a very common theme in those things. It, it definitely is. And I think I think my criteria when I start looking at, okay, you know, there's this big controversy over what should Christians watch, what shouldn't we? You know, I know Christians who have a Harry Potter t-shirt that they like to wear. I, I know people who have burnt Harry Potter books. <laughs> so opposite ends of the spectrum on this. And, and that's just one of the examples that we've come up with. My thoughts on some of this is part of it is your own conscience, obviously. Right. You know, what bothers you? What offends you? And that might change over time. It has with me a little bit. I tend to stray toward things that depict what I what I would understand as real life occultism, mm-hmm. real life witchcraft, Ouija boards, devil possession, things like that. 
are not something I really am too interested in watching anymore. You stray more into a fantasy realm, Lord of the Rings. I would consider Harry Potter to be in that same category. I think we kind of disagree a little bit about that. But I think there's a hard, there's a hard line between something that's clearly fantasy and made, make-believe and doesn't resemble right. real-life occultism and things that represent real-life occultism. Right. And, and so it, I would I would draw a line there. Well, with television and movies, there are some things that, uh, that I think any Christian should be bothered watching. Mm-hmm. Like there are some lines that should not be crossed. Definitely. They should bother people. There are other things that as we grow and mature, our conscience does change. There are things that my conscience is bothered by now that it wasn't before. Sure. And there are horror movies I, I would watch. I, I loved horror movies growing up as a teenager. Like it was one of the things that I really liked. I was kind of a movie buff. I had like a lot of movies and, and horror movies were one of the things I liked the best. And there are fewer and fewer of those sorts of movies I'm willing to watch anymore because they bother me and and I just I'm kind of repelled by it and I just don't I don't feel the same as I used to about that and that's just it's not something that I set out and made a decision that I was going to change I just noticed that the the farther I got in my walk with Christ the more things hit me differently than they did and we should change inside for us some of this came as we had kids and we started making decisions about like what we thought we'd allow our kids to watch and not watch Mm -hmm. and uh Look, there are people that have different lines. And I think one of the things realized as we talked about this a little bit, Matt, was that we have these lines, you know, and let's just say what's what we consider off limits for us on the left of the line and what we consider acceptable on the right. That at some point in time where that line is drawn, there's very little difference between what's on one side and what's on the other. And and so I, I admit that as I come up with my own conviction about things, that at some point in time, my principles don't consistently apply. Yeah. So, but I still have to come to conclusions somewhere. You do. And I think, I think, I don't think that the fact that we can't consistently apply our, our principles across the board should stop us from making our own determinations about things. I think that does make it problematic to enforce those lines that you've drawn for yourself on other people. Absolutely. So that's, that's the one, I hope everyone's caught the tone Mm -hmm. that we tried to carry that we shared some of our personal convictions. Yes. And that, that's fine. That doesn't have to be your conviction. And so I'm not binding my conviction or my where I draw the line on somebody else. But, you know, like, for example, there, with music, there's some music that, you know, like, especially like in that hard rock, 80s yeah, rock right. that's questionable in the lyrics. Now, I don't even know about questionable. I mean, you've got album covers that have the devil on them and, and demons and stuff flying out of hell. And I mean, like, there, there are bands who that's their marketing thing. Right. ACDC, Kiss, and, and some of those. I mean, so that's problematic. Now, now, I think the knee-jerk reaction to that at one time was to come out and, and you've got guys like Ben Alexander who, who came out against occultism and spirit mediums, but he also came out against rock and roll, you know, because it's the devil's music. I, I think that there's been an overreaction there. I think but, that we, but, but if you play the music backwards. Yeah, right. Paul is dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, use, your, use your head. I mean, like if the music is about the devil, don't listen to it. Right. If it's if it's about something that's not inappropriate, okay. Like the fact that it's both rock and roll style music doesn't make it inherently right. A wrong. style can't be wrong. But we would acknowledge, and other, not everyone would. We but we would acknowledge that l- lyrics of song that, that we internalize that it matters. What we watch on television matters. Sure. It impacts us. What goes in eventually comes out. It shapes our mm-hmm. thinking. So this does matter. 
where we draw lines. It does matter. It does because I, like I said, I don't think I don't think these supernatural forces can necessarily just come and you know get at you. But I think inviting them in gives an open door where maybe there wasn't one before. And so music has an amazing ability to alter the way that we think. It's got a weird effect on people. What we watch, like you said, has a weird effect on people. We talked a little bit earlier about there's probably certain drugs that open up your perception. I think there's a reason why these shamans and spirit guides and people like that would use peyote or, or mushrooms or, you know, lick a poison frog or whatever it is they do. And they've got these hallucinogenic trips that they would go on to meet their spirit guide. I think there's something to some of that. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe not always, but well, there's demonic power and and influence in some of those things. And I don't think that by watching uh, Harry Potter, you become a witch, right? Or you become demon possessed. Mm-hmm. To me, the idea just has to do with me drawing a line and saying, I just don't want to fill my mind with that, or I don't want to associate with that, or I don't want to give any credence to that. And I and I totally I can respect that that point of view. I would draw the line somewhere farther to, to one side than that and say, you know, you've got this new Sabrina the Teenage Witch like reboot that Netflix has put out. And, and I remember the old show was some cutesy, bewitched style teeny bopper type of a show. The new one isn't that. Like I saw the, the little previews of it and it's legit like portrayals of real witchcraft and and demonic stuff and the main character of the show is a witch and you know who do you identify with when you watch a show the the main character so i don't think we should be watching stuff that has us in that frame of mind you know the vampire thing became this weird phenomenon where everybody wants to be a vampire right so you don't watch twilight no i don't don't think so i've drawn a, a a principled line there why I'm not? not? Gonna, I'm not going to watch that. Uh, it's not actually an occultism issue. It's more because I'm a heterosexual <laughs> man. I think that's why I don't watch it. That that works for me. Yeah. Uh, but but there is this on in television a glorification of the dead, whether it's zombie stuff, The Walking Dead, and other things. Mm-hmm. I just think it's something to consider that when the Bible talks about death, death is not an enemy. Death is not a friend. Right. Death is an enemy. I don't think it's something we should glorify. Maybe someone's like, I'm not glorifying death by vampire movie or zombies and things like that. And I I get that. Um, I just think it's where I've chosen to disconnect. Right. You know, and again, we could go on and on round in circles. Like we said earlier, music, movies, books. We we could argue over every individual movie that's ever been made. But at the end of the day, we just have to be conscious that there is real supernatural forces in the world, that they are seeking to influence people and that there are ways that we can contact that power and we don't want to stumble into right. that. There's and ways so, we invite that and, and we should run from the line. We should sure. beware the devil and his schemes and our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for somebody to bow. And I think about other passage in 2 Corinthians where it says that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Mm-hmm. So some of this is subtle and seemingly innocent and that does not mean license. No, it does not. And I just think that we need to be smart. And when when we're drawing these lines, as each of us should do, according to our conscience and according to the scriptural authority that's been laid down for us, we have to do that with an understanding of the dangers. And, and to dismiss this stuff and say, well, it's make-believe, that does not allow you to make an informed decision about where you should lay your boundaries down. Right. We, it has to be through this lens of there's some reality behind this. I need to be careful. Sure. I need to be wise. And has, wrestle wrestle with it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, come to a position. I don't care what side you come on or where you fall with the choice you make, but wrestle it. Mm-hmm. And uh, like one example, if you notice like some of these, even these Disney 
movies. Like, yeah. there's so much in that. And, and then on one, there's, like, Cinderella, and that's just kind of innocent, fairy godmother. Right, right. But there, then there's that Princess and the Frog yeah. movie, which is, like, voodoo, mm-hmm. very clear. And I would not watch that and say, man, I just want to practice voodoo and magic. But I don't... I also, like, with my children, I want to guard what things shape their thinking yeah. uh, as well. And and that's where some of those things come into play. Yeah. And I think I think people make different decisions about that stuff. Some people are just like, no, you're not watching that. Some people will have a conversation and say, this is make-believe. You know, in real life, things are this way. Right. And they choose to handle it that way. We've, we've got to make those decisions with our kids and how we're going to draw those lines. And, and I just really think overall... If we do that with an understanding of the real danger that, mm-hmm. that's out there, and and if we extend some grace to one another, we're not all going to be in the same spot on all of this stuff. What we don't want to do is be infighting in the church about it and, and ranking people according to holiness by where they stand on this these issues. Right, I mean, but we have to agree on we have to agree that there is a battle between light and darkness, Correct. between good and evil. Yes. We have to agree that there is a spiritual realm. And Satan wants to destroy. And we have to agree that there are very clear avenues that should be avoided for yeah, Christians. Absolutely. And there's, you know, there is a point where there's no more wiggle room. Like there's a scriptural imperative here. You know, just like we talked about, don't consort with me- mediums and those who speak with the dead. We're not to be involved in witchcraft. I mean, there are certain things that there are hard scriptural lines and, and we need to observe those because the Bible's the authority. My feelings on it don't matter. Where the right. Bible speaks, I have to comply with that. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think, uh, so we just really encourage everybody to wrestle it. Consider some of the things we said and think about it. We'd love to have your input. Uh, share in some of the comment section, whatever platform you're listening in. I know we didn't answer all the questions. This wasn't intended to be like a Bible study. Right. Uh, where we unpackage all the Bible says about spiritualism and the occult and astrology and all mm-hmm. that. That's not what this was intended to be. I, in fact, we kind of glanced through some scriptures and there are literally hundreds oh, of yeah. scriptures that address these type issues. Yeah. And th- there's no question that there's a, a scriptural imperative that we don't get mixed up in occult practices. So we just kind of wanted to talk about what does that look like in today's modern world where there are shades of, mm-hmm. you know, involvement with different things. Um, so we just wanted to kind of talk about how, how the church ought to look at this stuff, show that we can have a little bit of a difference in our stance and still be cordial and be friends at the end of the day and encourage you to have these conversations in a loving way and be patient and, and just continue to sharpen each other so that we can find a better position on this stuff. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, and I think next time we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the church and coming into election season and how we ought to comport ourselves as now, Christians. I've always been told there's a couple things you should not talk about at the table and that's religion and politics. I think that's the only two <laughs> things people really all want to talk about. And, and, and we're going to do it. Right. We we're going to talk it. about how our faith intersects with our politics. And yeah. we, we both agree that we can't separate our faith from our politics and we will be coming in. I mean, if we, you think it's getting heated now, like yeah. I feel the tension rising now. Right. Can you imagine a couple of weeks as we get, uh, cause I think this next podcast is due to actually come out like either the day before, right before right. Uh, election time, yeah. uh, the election and, uh, Things will be at fever pit. And we won't dance around our opinion. No. So if you've been listening so far and, and nothing we said has ruffled you, uh, tune in next time. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll ruffle we'll, you. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> uh, thanks again for listening to View from the Mount. Um, you can check us out on Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, just out of the podcast section. And we're on there. We're on iTunes, uh, Google Music, some other places. And you can, of course, find it at our website, which is lakemountchurchofchrist.org. And there's some sermons and other things on there that you can look at. Please click the subscribe button and feel free to comment and uh, we will see you all next time.